This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Greetings from wherever you are in this fine world. Or shitty if it's in Sydney. We made it. Episode 52. One for each week of the year. It's been quite the learning curve for me. Uh, Possibly the greatest lesson learned is... The miso, she still listens, um, just. I set the trap last week and didn't get a bite. That was until yesterday, six days after the podcast was released. After six days of listening to Mamma Mia's chick cast, she finally found time to listen to Your Hobby Is Shit. Either that or someone told her about the trap and she sent me a message pretending that she still listens. Rest assured, I will find out if she's trying to pull a ruse on me, listeners. It's the uh, fucking school holidays again already. And it's done nothing but piss down from a great height since last Saturday here in Sydney, Australia. We received something like, I don't know, a month's rain in a few days. Uh, it's been absolutely dreadful again. The main street down at Maroubra Beach is covered in sand. It looks, well, yeah, it's, there's foam everywhere all over the beaches. The place is a mess. Uh, without the use of devices, it's very difficult to occupy children when the weather is this shit. Uh, both of mine, though, had a friend around yesterday, and I like that because they leave me alone. We're quite lucky with the kids' footy club. There's three boys in my son's team that all have sisters in my daughter's team. And better still, they've all got good parents. It's taken us the best part of 10 years uh, to meet people who not only have kids, but have kids that can play without kids, and more importantly have uh, parents that we like too, so everyone gets on. You may not believe it, but that takes a perfect storm to get that match right. Uh, took the four of these kids down to the pool yesterday. <laughs> it was piss and rain indoor. And they played on the inflatables for a good three hours. Three fucking hours they left me alone for. That is just priceless. Uh, the beauty of the aforementioned relationships is that for the first time since Jesus played fullback for Nazareth, Lou and I have a night to ourselves. Tonight as their kids are being palmed off to the people whose kids stayed at our place last night. And that's how I'm going to find out if Lou's been a bona fide listener to this podcast in recent times. Anyway, usually when we finally get to go out together, uh, we initially just sit down for dinner and stare blankly across the table at each other while we wait to see who goes for their phone first. Uh, But not this time. No way. This time I'll be 
hitting Lou with questions about the last six or seven episodes of this podcast. Trying to go or decide where to go on on an extremely rare date night is difficult. I've never used those two words um, consecutively in my life before. I just wanted to see what it felt like to be a cringy wanker. Fucking date night, grow up, you losers. Uh, The first time I ever heard the words date night, I felt the same as I did the first time I heard someone say I'm living my best life. I wanted to vomit and might have had a little bit come up in my mouth. Uh, But I I was kind enough to not point out that you can't date your partner and this life is your only one. Anyway, Lou and I, we call it what it really is, a night away from the fucking kids. Last time we went out, for what it must be said, a pretty shit feed at a tapas joint. Uh, it cost us well over a hundred before we decided, fuck this, let's go to the Royal Sink Schooners and pun on the Greyhounds. Uh, gambling and drinking, a couple of infinitely more satisfying hobby, hobbies than pretending to be a foodie or romantic. This time, however, I left it up to Lou to decide what we'd do. Uh, she explained that a nearby restaurant had a five-course meal on Wednesday nights. It's a special, a weekly special, and me being the convivial type of bloke that I am, I just said, sure. I knew something was amiss when she continued telling me good things about it, uh, everything but the cost. Uh, finally, she got around to the important part and said it's $98 per person. Oh, we laughed. <laughs> Even without a babysitter, by the time we got booze and Ubers, that's a 300 buck night. I suggested we just get a bag and stay at home. Now, ultimately... I think we'll compromise and head up to Maroubra for some Thai and then go to the boozer and get as full as a state school and talk about how much we hate having kids. Listener Stewie sent in a good request this week. I've known a couple of people who've uh, gotten into this hobby over the years. Bugger if I know why. Uh, The very first exposure most of us have to this particular interest usually results in us experiencing significant pain and potentially even death. So what on earth possesses someone to go, geez, I enjoyed that, I'm going to further investigate this business, eludes me, utter madness. Uh, The first three letters of the hobby on their own would be enough to turn any normal person off, and the three letters I refer to are B, E, and E. Uh, In case you're a thick, that spells B. First interaction I've had with a B is when I tried to slam one of the little fuckers with a hammer out the front of our place when I was six or seven. I missed the bee, but because it was for some reason perched on a rock, I didn't miss it, and a bit of the rock chipped off and flew straight into the back of my hand, resulting in blood spurting out from the wound, uh, and me running inside crying like a baby to my mum. And from that day on, at least I knew that I was no Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy. Most of us are petrified of bees, as we should be. They're one of the only kamikaze animals on earth that will happily give up their life to hurt you. Uh, Yet, despite this, some people like to keep them. And these people are known as beekeepers. The use of the word keeper, or keeping, suggests that it's not voluntary so far as the bees are concerned, though. Uh, Some people keep bees, some people keep hostages. No wonder the cranky fucking sting. Some things aren't meant to be kept. I remember reading about an old woman in New York who kept a monkey uh, and it ripped her face off. Uh, When analysing the pros and cons of beekeeping as a hobby, you can't understate the reference to keeping. No one ever says I'm a dog keeper or a cat keeper. Uh, Dogs and cats are so stupid they get taken away from their 
parents at three months of age and never give it a second thought. You try taking a bee away from its queen and see what happens. I'm not sure bees like having anything to do with us, much less being kept. If they did, they wouldn't sting us. So yeah, I'm sus about the hobby's name from the outset. It gives off a bit of a kidnapping vibe. Beekeeping is known as apiculture, and I've got that phonetically spelt out on uh, on the screen in front of me so I didn't fuck it up. Uh, a beekeeper or apiarist? <laughs> Jesus, that almost sounds like a dyslexic describing a rugby league player, doesn't it? Beekeeping sounds way less controversial. Uh, anyway, it's been around for at least 9,000 years, so yes, humans have always been stupid. Most of us know that bees are where we get honey from. Not sure how we know that, but we do. Someone discovered it, obviously, a long time ago. But bees also produce beeswax, which even a dickhead like me knows you can apply to a nice bit of wooden furniture or a surfboard. Propolis is another product uh, that comes from bees. It's used for diabetes, cold sores, and swelling and sores inside the mouth. Possibly the medicine of choice for prostitutes. (laughs) It's also used for burns, canker sores, genital herpes, and many other conditions. But you guessed it, there is no thorough scientific evidence to support uh, these uses. But if you want to rub propolis on your itchy todger, who am I to stop you? Uh, Beehives also produce flower pollen, bee pollen, and royal jelly. But let's be honest, it's honey that we really want. So much so, in fact, that when visiting towns that aren't our own... uh, We feel compelled, don't we, to pay overs for honey so long as it comes in an obscurely shaped jar adorned with cool labels uh, that look nothing like the ones you get from Coles or Woolies. Honey makes a great gift and provides the added benefit of allowing you to convince yourself that your purchase is helping the local economy. Uh, When in actual fact, the product should be cheaper if it's made nearby in some weirdo's backyard with fuck-all overheads. Uh, and a failure to adhere to standard occupational and health and safety processes. Uh, Nevertheless, whenever you see a little couple coming out of a gift shop in a little town somewhere, they've always got a fucking jar of honey, haven't they? It takes 22,700 bees to fill a single jar of honey. Fuck if I know who counted them, but it's true. Uh, An average worker bee will produce about a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its lifetime. So every time you put a teaspoon of honey on your porridge, you've killed 12 bees. Well done. Uh, Honey is a food that is keenly debated among the vegan population, as many of the assholes insist on eating it. Uh, It's quite amazing how infinite information can be uh, conveniently interpreted, and moral righteousness is softened when something tastes really nice, isn't it? A truly honest vegan wouldn't go anywhere near honey and they'd acknowledge that bees are basically just a battery hen that can fly. After beekeepers steal the honey, they feed the bees sugary syrup and other subpar foods to keep them alive. Uh, These stressful and unnatural living conditions, aren't they? Malnutrition and cruelty inherent in factory farming, farming weakens the bees' immune system. Lovely. Try not to think about how many bees you murdered when enjoying your next bit of honey on toast, though. But, hey, importantly, honey tastes pretty damn good, doesn't it? So who really cares about the bees, even if they do sting us? Look, I get it. If the cocaine plant stung, we'd probably still use it, and honey does 
do a lot of good things for us, doesn't it? But it's not as good as cocaine. Uh, still, humans are self-indulgent creatures, so it's easy to see the attraction to honey. Uh, yet if there's one thing we're more of than self-indulgent, it's greedy. And because people make money from honey, that's the real reason they'd embark on a bizarre pursuit that puts their neighbours' lives at risk. Uh, the most famous of all the bees is the queen bee. There's only one queen bee per hive. Anyone who's ever been in the company of two dominant females trying to coexist in the same premises will know it's safer for everyone if there's only one. Uh, the queen bee does the least amount of work, so obviously lives longer, surviving up to three years. Reminds me of the Queen of England. Uh, the bees who do the actual hard manual labour live on average only about six weeks. One of the downsides of beekeeping as a hobby is that you're going to get bitten, and that hurts. Uh, not quite as much as being bitten by a wasp or a tetsy fly, but it still hurts. And uh, the wasps, they don't die after they've stung you like a bee does. And nor do they produce honey. So blast those fuckers with a cigarette lighter and fly spray whenever you can. Tetsy flies inhabit much of tropical Africa. And I, for one, can attest as to how much they hurt when they sting. Uh, the first time I visited Africa in the late 90s, or early 90s, we, we had a blanket rule that if you saw a tetsy fly on someone, you could absolutely obliterate the bastard with a thong or a shoe or anything you liked, uh, because no matter how hard you hit the person, the fly sting hurt more. And I did my best to make this claim debatable, though, particularly when trying to hit flies on this South African bloke. Bee stings, well, they hurt too, particularly when you're a kid who hasn't been exposed to how painful life becomes and are stupid enough to constantly touch things that you shouldn't. Like most shit hobbies, beekeeping comes with the risk of death. No matter how funny anaphylaxis can be to watch, you know, seeing a human face swell up like a football, it's fucking pretty amusing. Some would argue it's more dangerous than it is funny, but it's um, obviously a matter of perspective. Uh, defensive bees are attracted to breath, so if you want to avoid being stung, just don't breathe. A sting on the face can lead to much more pain and swelling than a sting elsewhere, while a sting on a bare hand can usually be quickly removed by a fingernail scrape to reduce the amount of venom injected. Uh, one good thing about being stung by bees, at least you get to see it suffer and die slowly afterwards. I know numerous divorcees who wish this applied to humans. According to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, in the years 2017 and 18, over 3,500 Australians were hospitalised due to contact with a venomous animal or plant. 26% of those were caused by bee stings. Alright, so ease up on the honey, you fat bastards. Of the 19 deaths caused by venomous animals over the same period, 12 were caused by bees or wasps. So not only ease up on the honey... Keep your EpiPen handy if you're one of those biologically weak people. Bees are more dangerous than snakes. Have a good hard think about what you should be hitting with a shovel in the future, eh? Uh, a dozen deaths is significantly more than most other hobbies. Uh, if Even with the, uh, the graffiti artists, it took 20 odd years to kill that many of them. But if you're going to be pedantic about it and say, well, I bet all 12 of those people that died aren't beekeepers... I'd say, well, I bet all 12 of those people who died ate honey, so they're still part of the problem. Uh, the world record for bee stings. <laughs> Have a little think of what you think that number might be. It's held by a Zimbabwean man, uh, 
Johannes Relicki. He was stung by over 2,443 bees at the Kamatavi tin mine in Guai River, Zimbabwe, on January 28, 1962. He survived the attack, and all of the bee stings were later (laughs) removed and counted. Uh, He holds the Guinness World Record for the most bee stings survived. Some people survive bad shit and get million-dollar tell-all interviews, and others, well... They get included in an annual book with thousands of the strangest people on the planet made by a fucking beer company. Beekeeping, it's so dangerous. The only other hobby I can think of that requires a participant to wear similar protective clothing is fencing. You know that stupid one where they say on guard then try and stab each other with a really sharp sword at the Olympics? Beekeepers and fencers dress similarly for the very same reason too because they might fucking die if they don't. An even better way to protect yourself from death uh, is to not keep bees or let someone try and stab you at all. It's not real hard. Uh, The only people aside of beekeepers and fencers who wear similar equipment are those lunatics who are trying to avoid the Ebola virus or COVID. Like most things nowadays, beekeeping is affected by climate change. Well, that is if you believe people who have devoted their entire working life to learning about such things. Uh... Obviously, we need bees. Without them, the availability and diversity of fresh produce would decline substantially and human nutrition would suffer. Really? Could it suffer any more? I rarely eat honey and I'm a obese. Crops that would not be cost-effective to hand or robot pollinate would likely be lost or persist only with the dedication of human hobbyists. Many plants are most successfully pollinated by bees. Without bees, they would set fewer seeds, and we'd have lower reproductive success. This includes, and importantly, flowers. Now, so far as I'm concerned, less flowers isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we only grow them to cut them and sell to perverts anyway. And most of us are by now aware that men who buy flowers always have a guilty conscience. Uh, Those of us who don't admit to knowing that, uh, and knowing the reason why men buy flowers, are the ones who still enjoy receiving flowers from their significant others because they're quite happy living in denial about what their chair-sniffing bastard of a partner gets up to. (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. Beekeeping. Shit hobby. Alright, it's that time of year again. We're a large collection of uninspired individuals whose lives are spent mostly being submissively guided between a series of socially acceptable and progressive events on the calendar of virtuousness. Of course, July is the month where those with alcohol problems or worse, an inability to do anything in life without publicising it, crying out for attention or embarking on a self-congratulatory tour of social media, attempt to go without booze for a month. Yep, it's dry July. All in the name of cancer research too. Because as we are fast learning, nothing of value in life can be achieved unless a commercial transaction has taken place and or a worthy cause is the subsidiary beneficiary. Uh, Peculiar to contemplate the sad notion though, isn't it? That if people actually just looked after their own health, we'd be depriving ourselves of the opportunity to gloat about our earnest efforts to help others. Dry July puts alcohol on a pedestal. And you know the drill, pedestals aren't any good for falling off. Not that booze needs 
putting on a pedestal because if it wasn't so fucking good, we wouldn't use it in such quantities with such frequency to help us traverse our lives, would we? Nevertheless, if alcohol is a problem for you, I fail to see how jumping on an annual cheesy bandwagon that renders the participant hypertensively miserable while they count down the 31 days until they can go back to medicating themselves seven nights a week while trying to convince themselves and others of how good they feel. Jesus, you're not kidding anyone. No one cares if you can win a fight against your unquenchable thirst for 31 days. Your friends only care if you're happy and reasonably healthy and you don't fucking bore a shitless about your latest uninteresting pursuit. Uh, As with most of these philanthropically token gestures, the vast majority of participants are half-assed about it anyway, approaching the goal with a few special days up their sleeves. Oh, this party was booked way before July. Fucking was it? Bullshit, July was around before your party was organised. On that note, I'd like to make... A special shout-out to a few of my friends who made the mistake of sharing their desire to do dry July, two of whom <laughs> made it until mid-afternoon on the 1st, and the other who lasted until the early evening of the 3rd. Well done to you all. You're not kidding yourselves, and you get a fucking good pat on the back for that. Dry July is yet another in a long line of fashionable events that reek of superficiality. Drink or don't. Most of us only care if you shout when it's your turn. Dry July is shit. Heard a good yarn in the sauna this morning. A group of blokes from a uh, professional sporting organisation joined me in the sweaty box and began talking shop. Uh, they ignored me, probably mistaking me for a fuckwit or a Russian as I had my little sauna hat on. Took me a while to work out which uh, sporting organisation they were from, but... Uh, one began telling a story worth repeating, and I love a bit of gossip. I love uh, mining other people's beeswax. Uh, it, he was talking about a player in this particular league who organised a GoFundMe thing, you know, when people are crying poor or they have an illness in the family or whatever it is. Uh, apparently this player raised 30 or 40 grand or for whoever it was that was sick in his family just to top up his annual three hundred dollars to $400,000 salary. And within a couple of weeks of getting the GoFundMe cash, had purchased his fiancée an enormous engagement ring. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter where you go. Innovative tight asses everywhere. What a super effort. All right, for the health hobbyists, you'll be pleased to know that my high blood pressure reading was a false alarm. It's all okay. I wore one of those things around my arm to take the reading every half hour for 24 hours and it was all okay, so nothing to worry about there. I was hoping that the high cholesterol (laughs) may have been a false alarm too Uh, because I remembered before going to the doctor on the Monday that I'd eaten three large pizzas in the two two days leading up to the initial test. Uh, Following a gig I did at uh, DYRSL Club a couple of weeks ago, there was quite a lot of pizza left over. And if there's one thing I hate, it's wasting food. Uh, So I took all the leftover pizza and beer home and had what could be described as a bit of a pizza binge. Uh, The kids wouldn't eat it, Lou wouldn't eat it, so I had to eat it all because I'm fucking not throwing it out. Uh, To be fair, I did give one piece to the dog. So I was hoping that that might impact my cholesterol test, uh, sadly, not the case. 
it, uh, it's not how it works. The doc explained that I did have high cholesterol and I could either do one or two things, take medication or uh, make some lifestyle changes, which included, but we're not exclusive to giving up takeaway food, cheese, biscuits, meat, or, you know, a lot of meat, basically all the good stuff. And as someone who has lived by the adage that if it's the last thing you should want, it's the first thing you should have, I obviously decided to (laughs) opt for the medication. Everything else is fine, except I'm definitely still fat, or more truthfully, obese, as my son has been telling everyone (laughs) we see with an unparalleled glee over the past week. Uh, I double-checked with uh, the doctor how much he reckons I should lose, and he said 15 kilograms. I think he uh, caught me shaking my head and said, right, let me ask you something. Would you let someone break your leg? To which I obviously replied, well, if I had the money for drugs that I couldn't afford to pay, otherwise, no. And he said, well, the same way you wouldn't let someone hurt your heart. If you wouldn't let them break your leg, why would you let them hurt your heart? So don't hurt your heart. And uh, look, to be fair, it was a bit of a shit metaphor on the doctor's behalf, even though I got his point. Notwithstanding, it was in fact him who by telling me I was obese, drank too much, and couldn't eat nice food anymore, it was him who'd actually broken my fucking heart. And whilst on the subject of lifestyle choices, I was listening to something about Elvis this morning, and fuck me, did he give it a nudge. Killing himself by 42. I'd love to have seen his diet. Jesus, that must have taken some effort, considering the resilience of the human body. Well done to you, Elvis. Alright folks, I'm out of here for another week Busy afternoon, might start drinking before Lou gets home and we get to go out I was hoping to go to the Swans versus Bulldogs at the Sydney Cricket Ground on Friday night With my mate Cambers and without kids But it turns out I've got a gig in Campbelltown Should I make it back from there alive? I'll be here again to tell you that your hobby is shit Oh, and I forgot to post the link to uh, Bill Burr getting stuck into Yoko Ono last week, so I'll do it in this week's and last week's show notes. Adios! Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well, I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it, or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby Is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast, I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor and complaints handler at Your Hobby Is Shit. Yes, I know you're waiting for your flatulence-filled outtakes, but first of all, remember to listen to Mad Dog's podcast this week. Miko and I recount our military service careers. Brilliant stuff. (laughs) Needed a shower and nappies (laughs) after that one.